As you see this morning, find in your Bible the book of Galatians, uh, chapter 2. We'll be there in a few moments. <clears throat> Welcome back as we've been in the process of uh, ferreting out what it means to be the church that God wants us to be in this time, and especially as we're preparing for a new pastor. Everything we're doing uh, during the week, as well as what we're doing on Sunday, is preparing our hearts for what God is doing in and through our search team and others, as so we just continue to be praying for them and lifting them up. But there's a saying that I shared, it wasn't original with me, but I, I, I feel so much that this is what God would have us to be and do. A great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will grow a great church. I believe that. I've seen it happening in my own ministry. And you remember the great commandment? That's where Jesus said, you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the great commission is when Jesus said, you're going to go all into all the world, uh, teaching them and baptizing them and discipling them. This, this is the great commission. We believe that if we really are serious about this, if we really give ourselves to this, God is going to grow His greatness in our church family. So we ask the question naturally, okay, what does that look like? We could look around us and see some big churches, but they're not necessarily following these particular ways of, of seeing uh, the kingdom grow. And so we decided, let's look into the Bible. Let's look and see what the Scriptures tell us. And so we went to Acts chapter 2. And there in the second chapter of Acts, we find how God started the church, how he grew the church from the very beginning, thousands coming to faith in him. And we found in that passage five purposes that drove the church, five purposes that enabled them to be the church God wanted them to be. So we said, okay, let's check into those. And the first was they were intentional about evangelism, intentional about sharing the gospel, intentional about sharing their story. And we looked into how to do that and how we can, and we've experienced ways to do that. And God is blessed. We continue to see baptisms as a result of that. The second thing we found out they were intentional about was intentional discipleship, intentionally growing in their spiritual lives and how they dug into what the apostles were teaching them about Jesus and how to live uh, the Christ life day after day. And so last week we began to delve into that. We looked again at Luke chapter 9, verse 23, where Jesus said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and then follow me. And today I want us to take a step further in the second chapter of uh, Galatians. What Jesus was giving the mandate, then Paul comes along later and says, Let me give you the secret. Let me tell you how to do this successfully and selling out to God, but at the same time not killing yourself because you can't do this on your own. So, if you haven't already found Galatians chapter 2, find that in your Bible. Find it on your device. While you're doing that, I want to also call your attention to the bulletin. I have used a statement several times that I want you to have to carry with you today and fill in some blanks in the process. Because this is the essence of what it means to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what it means to have him to, uh, Im to bless your life, to empower your life for serving him. So, here it is. Jesus gave his life for you. We're still in the word for. Ge Jesus gave his life for you so that he might give his life to you. So that he might live his life through you. Now, this is the essence of what it means to be a Christ follower. 
But I, I want to hang out there just for a moment before we see the example of it in Scripture in Galatians 2 and verse 20. <clears throat> Jesus gave his life for you. What's that about? That's about him going to the cross. That's about him dying on the cross to take my sins and yours upon himself. That's where he took the penalty, the punishment in full for my sins and yours on himself. Now, but that's not all he did. The gospel doesn't end with the cross. Remember, it goes all the way to the empty tomb. So part of giving his life for you, he gave himself to death, but then he rose victorious from the grave, victorious over death and hell and the grave, that he would have eternal life, literally the life of God, the life of the ages, in order to give to us. So this is the transition. What did God do for us? What God did for us was to give his life for us. What that meant legally was that all of your sins are forgiven. If you come to faith in Christ and trust the blood of Jesus Christ to cover and cleanse you of your sins, all sin, past, present, and future, all are covered. But not only that, you know, Jesus knew there was going to be life after initially coming to faith in him. And <clears throat> that would be living with him. And so when he rose from the grave... Also, what he became in defeating the grave was to give his life in exchange for your life. Now, that's what Jesus did for you. What Jesus do to you? Here's a new thought for some of you. Hold on tight. It may take a little bit. I'm going to repeat some things. I want you to get this. When Jesus rose again and when you came to faith in him, it was for him to give you his life. To give you his life, his eternal intimacy with the Father. What's true of Christ becomes true of us. He gives us his life. He gives his life to us. That the very life of Jesus Christ, the life of the ages, eternal life that was only his to give, he can give to us. Now, what does that mean legally? Again, our sins are done away with. So we, uh, we can not, not worry about carrying on the, the penalty of that or the power of that into our lives. But more than that, more than that, him giving his life to us means that we get his life, his eternal life in us. We just pause a minute. Think of this. The life of Jesus Christ, the life of the creator and sustainer of the universe, the life of the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, has chosen to inhabit you. Think about that. Let that settle in. Let that settle in for a moment. This is what Jesus did, giving his life to us. We have a neighbor down the road uh, towards the cul-de-sac that Valeria had the privilege of leading to faith in Christ several years ago. And he's been growing, growing, growing in the Lord. And, and so she was talking to him the other day and she said, Did you know that Jesus lives in me? Larry said, well, yeah, I was there when he came in. But, no, it hit him. The awe, the wonder. Don't ever get over that, folks. Don't ever get over that. 
that the life of God himself chose to live in you. Just let that settle in. He gave his life for you when he died on the cross and rose again. He gives his life to you. But that's not the end of it. There's a purpose behind him giving his life for you. There's a purpose behind him giving his life to you. Here it is. That he can live his life through you. We're going to get into what that means today. Because this is Paul's secret. To living a successful, fulfilling, empowered life in Christ. Now, let me say this up front. It's his life and not ours. Let me say that again. Let it sink in. It's his life, not ours. You see, here's what you and I try to do. We, we want to do right. We want God to be proud of us. We want to, to live up to all of the wonderful things that he's done. And so so we, we make up our mind. We're going to dedicate ourselves to Christ. Uh, we're we're, we're going to change our language. We're going to change the way we think. We're going to change our attitudes and our values. And we, we, we mean that with all of our heart. We come to the altar sometimes and we pray it out there before the heart. And then we fail. We fail. We, we, we can't fulfill that. I mean, we mean it. We try. We're serious. But we fail. And you see, it's because we're trying to live somebody else's life. You see, you can't live my life. You can't live my life. Because you don't have the callings and the giftedness and all the other things that I do. You've got to live your life. Mine's my life to live. But listen, Jesus said, mine is my life to live too. But I choose to live it through you. Through you. My supernatural life. I want to live through you. So, Brother Fred, that sounds real good, but is that anywhere in Scripture? Yeah, it's all through there. <laughs> but that's why we're going to camp out at Galatians chapter 2, vine, vine verse 20. When I came to understand this verse, and it began to really get into my heart and my life, it revolutionized my intimacy with the Father. And, and maybe you don't know this, but the, because of the power in this verse and the transforming power, that's the reason years ago Ray White named our senior adult group the 220 Fellowship. Well, that's based on Galatians 2.20. And the power of that verse in the lives of those original people that made up that, uh, that, that group. Galatians 2.20. Can we read it together? Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I don't have it within myself to get out everything you've poured into my mind and heart about this. So I'm going to need to lean on you real heavy right now. There is such incredible power that you want to flood in our lives today. Open our hearts to receive what you have for us. In Christ's name, amen.
Okay, let's break this down and start with that first sentence. I am crucified with Christ. Okay, see that? I'm crucified with Christ. In what sense was it that Paul could say he was crucified with Christ? I mean, he was alive. He was living. And he actually, he, he, he speaks that. I, I initially memorized this verse in King James, and it's a little different. In King James it says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. And, and that sets up this juxtaposition that was in, in Paul's life. He, he had a constant blessing and curse. <laughs> with this. Because his will was always battling with the Father's will about who was going to be in control of his life. And that's why he would cry out in, in, in the book of Romans, he would say, the good that I know to do, I don't good do, and the evil that I don't want to do, I do anyway. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this bondage of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then he goes into a whole chapter explaining what that means. You see, there was a sense that Paul understood that he had died, but he was still alive. Let's talk about that death for a moment. Let me tell you, something mystical, something supernatural, but very, very real, happened to you when you accepted Christ into your life in a way that I don't fully understand, but supported by Scripture. You were transported back in space and time. And you were superimposed on the cross with Christ. Paul realized this. Something in Paul died when he came to faith in Christ. He was died, had died to sin. And he had died to doing things his own way. And, and he says, nevertheless, I live. But, but, but this life that he was living was so incredibly new and different that he would refer to it that, that we are a new creation in Jesus Christ. That, that the old things are passed away and behold, everything has become new because it was so fresh, so absolutely otherworldly. This is metaphysical, it's not physical, I can't explain to you how this happens, but this is what the Scriptures tells us. In multiple places, Romans chapter 6, other places as well, that we are crucified along with Christ. Now, legally, that means our sins are gone. Relationally, because we have no sin to get in our way, we have uncontested intimacy with the Father. And practically, that means that the power of our Lord Jesus Christ abides and lives within us in our daily, daily life. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Now, you and I experience what Paul's experienced, haven't we? I mean, isn't there times that you know the right thing to do and you don't do it? Now, maybe it's just me, but, but I think that's you too. And isn't there times that you know something you're not supposed to do and you do it anyhow? Yeah. There's a battle going on, isn't there? There's a battle going on. I'm going to show you a diagram at some point where you can really see that diagram. But there's a, there, there, there's a diagram going on. There's a battle going on. 
Because now that you've invited Christ into your life, now that he lives in your life, his will and his way is present in your life as well. But so is yours. So is your will and your desire to have your way. And so there's this head knocking going on all throughout every day of who's going to be in charge of your attitudes and your actions. And so Paul would say, here's what I have to do. I have to reckon myself. That's a good, good southern word. I have to reckon myself dead to the power of sin in my life so that Jesus can live his supernatural life through me. I have to die to me so he can live through me. Now, this is not different from what Jesus said. He said, if a man deny himself, that's the first thing he has to do. That's the same as dying to yourself. You you deny yourself. I'm not going to insist on my way. I choose to have his way. I'm going to deny myself, die to myself, to where I can submit myself totally to him. I am crucified with Christ. That's what Jesus did for us. But then he goes on to say, look at the the verse. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Again, don't ever get over the awe and wonder and the the utter otherworldliness of this. Now you may be saying, well, I don't feel very worthy of Christ living within me. That's why he had to die for you. He had to take all the sin away and cleanse you entirely to where he would have a heart that was cleansed that he could live in. That's how thoroughly he's cleansed us and made us a dwelling place for his spirit. He says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. What's he saying here? He's saying, I'm still alive. Here I am, flesh, bones, touch me. Okay, I'm still alive. But there's a part of me that's died, and the part of me that's died is the part of having to have my way. Of wanting my will done on earth, whatever his is in heaven. That's, that, that, that's what died. Now, it keeps wanting to resurrect itself every day, just like it does in my life and yours. He said, that, that's what happened. This has died in me. And so, because that's died within me, Christ has come and set up residence within me. And when all is well, I am yielding myself. I'm submitting myself to his will. I am allowing him, uh, me to be a conduit through which he flows. And when that's happened, I, I have peace. I have joy. Supernatural things happen all around me to evidence of the Lord being here and doing stuff. But then there are other times when I'm saying... I want my way today. I'm not going to yield to you today. I'm not going to submit to you today. And you know what God does? He says, try that out for a while. See what you think about it. Because he knows what's going to happen. We're going to be miserable failures at that. I am a failure at life in my own self. And you are too. But when Christ lives his supernatural life through us, me and him, and him and me, 
amazing things happen because he begins to do his supernatural work through me. I'm a very visual kind of person. And so I was having difficulty grasping this. So I asked a, a, a dear senior minister to help me to understand this. And he says, well, here's what it is. You enter into Christ and Christ enters into you. So just imagine that you present yourself to Christ. Here I am, Christ. And right behind your noggin right here starts a zipper. And it goes all the way down your neck and all the way down your spine and all the way down your legs. And so Jesus comes and stands behind you. And he puts his feet in your feet. And his arms in your arms. And laces you, zips you right up. till he is totally in you. But something else happens, he told me. Christ stands here and says, here I am. I want to be the sovereign Lord of your life. He's got a zipper from the back of his head all the way down to his feet. And by faith, I can put my feet in his feet. And my hands in his hands. And he consumes me within himself. And then he can do what only he can do through me. Some of you looking and saying, this boy has really gone off the deep end right here. But let me suggest to you, you will never accomplish anything powerful in the spiritual realm as long as you're operating in your own power. It's not going to happen. But when you are willing to die to yourself, to submit to Christ, and allow him to do what only he can do through you, phenomenal things begin to happen in you and through you. I've shared a little bit of my testimony with some of you about the hurts and all that came into my life in my early, early years, and especially things related to my parents. It had been about three, three and a half years since I'd seen my mother last. And the hurts are too numerous to count there. And so my grandmother told me one day, she said, your mom's not feeling well, you probably need to go by and see her. She had an apartment downtown in Macon. And I said, yeah, all right, and just left and went to work. But that kept working on me all day. Fred, you need to go by and see your mom. And I argued with God. I know you're too holy to argue with God, but not me. I argued with God. I don't want to go by. I don't even want to be in the same room with that woman. Because when I am, I throw up. Physically, that's how bad it impacted me. But Holy Spirit says, you need to go by and see your mother. And, and I was working the late shift today. Didn't get off, didn't get off till 9 o'clock. And by the time 9 o'clock got here, I was wore out. The Lord then took me round and round and round about this. So I finally said, okay. But God, I can't do this. I can't do this. I won't do this. But I believe you can. And you will. And so I submitted and surrendered myself to him. I went to visit my mother. 
we talked for a while and I began to share with her what God was doing in my life, the transformation he'd made in my heart. And before the evening was over, we were kneeling down before her couch and I was helping her pray to receive Christ as her Lord and Savior. Now that's not about me. Because there was a part of me that really wanted to see her fry in hell. But there was a bigger part in me that was Christ in me, the hope of glory, that says she's the reason I came and died, Fred. And she's not going to know unless somebody tells her. And I've chosen you. That didn't happen because of me and my winsome personality, I'm here to tell you. But that happened because Christ was Christ through me and doing what only he could do. This is Paul saying, this is the secret to understand how to have an anointed, peace-filled, joyful, productive Christian life die so that I can live through you. Submit your will to mine to where I can do what only I can do. I don't need your preaching. I don't need your philosophy. I don't need all of your degrees. I don't need all of your experience. I need you to be yielded to me so I can do what I need to do through you. This is what Paul wanted us to know. He goes on to say, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. You see, this is a faith thing. You have to dare to believe what the Bible says is true. Brother Fred, of course, I believe the Bible is true. Are you appropriating that? Are you living that out? <laughs> because until you are, you don't believe it. You may have a head knowledge, but you haven't committed your heart to anything. Here's the heart. Am I going to do what the Word says? Paul says here, this life I have, and I live flesh, I'm living by faith. You see, you've got to dare to believe that Christ died for you, to give his life to you, to live his life through you. You've got to receive that by faith. And by faith, you've got to walk in that. And as you receive that, and as you walk in that, then his power begins to vibrate within your very life. And it's not something you're generating. It's something he's generating through you. But this is appropriated by believing, by faith, by staking your life, that this is indeed true. Paul ends this by saying, Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, the, the motivation for this is love. The motivation for him to come and die in my place was love. And my motivation to receive Him as my Lord and Savior was love. And no motivation is going to push me out of my comfort zone like His love will. Nobody can make you walk spiritual pathways. Nobody can shame you enough <laughs> or put enough restrictions on you to make you walk a holy lifestyle. This is something that's got to come out of the heart. It's got to come out of the heart of saying, God, because you love me so much, 
and I'm growing to love you so much, I dare to trust you. I dare to trust you to do what I can't do and live your life through me. That's a love relationship. And listen, if you're having problems denying yourself, dying to your way of doing things, submitting to God, the problem is not a problem of your will and your mind. The problem is a problem of your heart. Because when love is there, you just do these things. You, you go on these adventures with Christ because you get to, not because you got to. You get to. This is an adventure I'm on with you right now. Not an adventure that I had planned. <laughs> not in the least. But watching what God is doing in our church and through our church and our community is such a rush. But to step out of our comfort zones, whether it's sharing the gospel or sharing our story, or stepping out of our comfort zone and daring to believe and trust God to live in and through me, the fruit of that is phenomenal. And it's tasting great. So let's sum up. Go back to that statement. See it on top of your bulletin? Go back to that one more time. Because this is three steps, and you may be in any of these three places right now. Christ came to give his life for you. Have you realized that? Have you come to the place in your life that you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart? To cleanse you and forgive you and be the boss in your life? Have you come to the point that you don't just know with your head, but you dare to believe that Jesus, when he died, took your sins upon himself and rose again? for your eternal life. If you've never done that, in just a moment I want to lead you in a time of prayer that you can take the first step and ask Christ to come into your heart. Dare to believe that he died for you. Others of you here, here, you know Christ died for you. But have you ever real woke up to the fact that he comes to give his life to you? That it's his very life that he's depositing in your flesh and bones. Maybe you want to take a moment and just stand in awe about that. And you know what it means to stand in awe, don't you? It's worship. You worship Him. You love Him and adore Him and you thank Him and you bless Him for what He's done, that His life is in you. Maybe there's some of you who've done both of those things, but you've never woke up to the fact that the reason He gave His life for you and gave his life to you was so he could live his life through you. And Maybe it's time for you to say, Lord, I'm ready for the adventure. I don't know what that means, and I don't know where this leads, but I want you to lead your life through me. Time to do business with God. Let's bow our heads, enter into a moment of prayer, go into that inner place, just you and the Lord. If you've never come to that place in your life that you've asked Jesus to come into your heart and forgive you of your sins, to be the boss in your life, I want you to pray with me right now. You don't have to speak out loud, but I ask you to mean it from the depths of your heart. The best you know yourself, just offer it up to God. 
And just say, dear Lord, I confess to you that I am a sinner. And right now I dare to believe that when you died, it was to take the full punishment for my sins. And when you rose, it was to where you could give me eternal life. Lord Jesus, will you come into my heart? Cleanse me and forgive me. I want you to live in me. I give all of myself that I know to you. Be the boss in my life. Maybe you've already done that. But maybe tonight, now it's time for you to just worship him. Say, oh Lord, I just want to praise you and bless you for literally coming to live in my heart. I want to celebrate your presence. I ask you to magnify your presence in my life. I want my life to be a living worship of you. Because you're in me. And I'm in you. And though I don't always understand that, I stand in awe, in utter worship of who you are. Maybe you've done both those things. But for you this morning to hear that the sovereign Lord of the universe wants to live his life through you is a brand new thought. So let's pray. Say, God, I never thought in terms of you literally living through me. But right now I want to yield myself. I want to submit myself. I want to die to do things my way to where you can live through me. You can touch people's lives and you can love people and you can serve people and you can do that. And it's not about me. It's all about you. God, I want to yield myself to you. Body, mind, and spirit. Father, for all my friends here who prayed from any of these three points of where we are, I want to thank you for hearing our prayer and for loving us so much. And Lord, I pray that you'll just confirm decisions made today throughout this week. In Christ's name, amen.